This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. We are talking with Anna Kelly for her three of three interviews. How are you doing, Anna? I'm great. Awesome. This was a question I got actually from a subscriber like six weeks ago, and I forgot to ask. And this is, hey, Anna's in the financial industry. She was at AIG. She's a rock star. She knows how to manage wealth. Why didn't Anna just become the next Warren Buffett and buy stocks and buy companies? Why did she do real estate? Okay, boy, this is such a fun question. And my, my brain is going crazy. So I, I can tell you a couple of things. Number one, because I wasn't born in the 1% with a silver spoon in my mouth. So I didn't have money. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, and anyone trained as a financial advisor can tell you what to do with your money once you have it. Because once you have money, you can play and diversify into many different things that can bring you income. Mm-hmm. The stock market is one of those ways, but you don't have to go all in. You can balance the risk with things like real estate and starting businesses and you know, buying um, marijuana plants and different places that want to free you know, CBD. So mm-hmm. when you have a lot of money, um, you can be taught by financial advisors, here's where you place your money to generate more income, to make that wealth grow, and then to preserve you know, it through diversification and different type of investments. When you start out like you and I did, Michael, with really nothing, with parents <laughs> who were at the poverty level, mm-hmm. I grew up in persistent poverty until I was 15 years old and moved in with my father. My mom was a single mom, worked two jobs. Uh, we had food stamps. We bought clothes at Solo Serve once a year. Uh, that's like a raw, you know, a, a mini tiny version of like a Ross dress for less. You know, we really had no money, never check to check, always in that kind of doomed category that we mm. talk about. And so I didn't have resources and I didn't have anyone to teach me about money. Yeah. So I knew, Hey, when I get a job, that's a good job. Once I graduate college, I'll have a 401k and I'm going to invest that in the stock market. Most people, how do we invest in the stock market through our 401k? Mm -hmm. Because the majority of the people, vast majority, over 60%, somewhere in the 70 percentile range of the American public never has enough money saved that they can ever even think about investing in the stock market. True. Over 70% of the population as of last year had over 40 to $50,000 in debt, not including their school loan and their mortgage and $4,000 saved. So if that is you, and that's the vast majority of the American public, you'll never have enough money to invest in the stock market outside of picking mutual funds within your 401k. So that's why I personally never started investing in stocks because I didn't have any money to invest in stocks. I lived check to check to check, just like everybody else. And I tried to make really good choices about where I diversified my money within my mutual funds and my 401k. So that's the first part of the answer. All right. That's, uh, I didn't, I didn't know where this was going to go. So that's, you know, that's kind of, that's just the story for most of us, myself included. Right. I, I dreamed of being Warren Buffett. I, you know, in college, you read about him, you go to these, I never had any money. Yeah. Check to check. Just 
401k was the, you know, the best I had. And I didn't have that until I was in my twenties. Absolutely. And so what that does is it says, okay, if I don't have money to invest in the stock market, um, and I did realize once I graduated college and I got a job at Bank of America and I went through my financial advisory training and I was trained, how do you help people to grow their income? How do you help them to create, um, you know, additional wealth? How, how do you make sure that you're, you know, selling them investments that are going to help them to move the needle, you know, for their financial goals? Um, I knew that one day I needed to start really thinking about growing wealth and preserving wealth. But first, I needed to create more income because that's mm -hmm. the first yeah. financial goal for everybody is you need to create enough income until you have enough that you're financially free, that then you take the extra mm -hmm. above your means and then you put in, in the things that are going to grow and appreciate in value. So I knew my main goal today for the next several years is I've got to make as much money as I can. I got to get a really good job. I've got to work really hard to get bonuses and make a little discretionary. Mm -hmm. And then I'll put more in my 401k or I'll start buying some small stocks. Mm -hmm. And I did. I started buying AIG stock because I worked at AIG. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started putting a little extra in stocks. But I realized I'm still living check to check. I had a house. I had two car payments. I had a baby. And I wanted to be home with my child. And we, you know, I've talked about my story with you before. But I knew I've got to find a way outside of my W-2 to create extra income because I really want to be home with this baby. So I have to create financial freedom. I can't just go take a $100,000 loan, Michael, mm -hmm. and take that $100,000 and go invest it in the stock market. Well, don't feel I mean, bad. No, no, nobody could. Well, you could today, but you couldn't back then. Yeah, you could today, but it's you can't really leverage money with the intent of you know, telling your bank, I'm yes. going to go use this to then invest in the stock market because that's basically gambling, right? Oh, for sure. And it's speculative. Stock market is here today, gone tomorrow. I had relatives who lost almost everything with stock market downturns. Mm -hmm. And so I knew it's all about timing with the stock market. Yeah. If you have to get out when the market's great, good, you've made money. But if you have to get out when the market's bad, you lose everything. And I knew that, even though I'm trained to tell people dollar cost average, the market <laughs> averages term. out, it's all going to be fine. It, it's fine if it's within the right time horizon. Yeah. Um, so I knew I had to get creative and find something else. And real estate is the thing that when I discovered real estate and the power to quickly borrow other people's money yeah. to be able to buy something worth five times more than what the cash that I have to put down on it yeah. and then create a cash flow through rental income. I knew that was like the perfect type of investment that hit all three of those financial buckets. It gave me more income. It could appreciate and go up in value. Mm -hmm. And so it's got the growth that the wealthy are looking for. And it's fairly safe if you buy it, the right types of properties in the right area. So I'm like, wow, real estate fits all these three main financial goals that I've been trained to teach people about rather than, but I don't have to have money to get started. I can yeah. get started on my own. And that is why I chose real estate over investing in the stock market. Yeah. So, so my story, so I actually did stocks for about three years. And again, I think we shared before, it was right during the dot-com boom. And I, I did, I turned seven grand into almost a hundred and I think it was $192,000. I did. Wow. I did. Uh, and then in the course of three or four weeks, uh, I lost 152 grand. So I turned from 192 <laughs> to 40. I don't mean to laugh at you, Michael. That's <laughs> okay. That's what day trading does, right? Exactly. Right. And then it's gone. I was day trading uh, very well. And again, it was just the hot market, pretty much like today. You don't, stocks only go up, but I didn't know. 
And then the market turned, lost a lot of money. And then what really compounded it is I, like my day trading, I think I went from like, let's just say 200 to like 125. So it hurt. But then what hurt me more is I said, okay, I'm going to put this all in one stock because I just need to calm down. So this is where it gets really bad. At the time, Enron, remember Enron? Oh yes, I was in Houston during Enron. Yeah, so I, I remember Enron, I'm like utilities, it makes sense. I'm in California, we're having all these brownouts. I'm like, ah, oh, let's put some money in Enron. They got all the smartest people. That didn't end up well, right? That, that turned sour quickly. And then I remember I was in Europe and the market was closed and I just licking my wounds from, from Enron. And I'm like, okay, for whatever reason, I just couldn't sit on cash, which was, just, you know, I think I would have had 70 grand or something if I sat on cash. But I'm like, what's the most boring thing I could buy? Phones, communications. Uh... And then I'm like, okay, well, at least, at least let's pick the highest growing telecommunication company. And I picked WorldCom. Oh my goodness, Michael. Yeah. So that was, I know what happened. So because I'm in Houston, you know, we, we dealt with Enron, but I had a family member who worked at WorldCom yeah, and I had friends that worked at Enron and my family member, uh, two family members, my grandmother who was retired, who had just recently lost my grandfather oh, no. had a whole oh, lot no. in WorldCom and so did my uncle. Yeah. And when that went yeah. down, it was like, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars wiped out <laughs> of their wealth overnight. And the yeah. same with Enron. So that's, that's the power of, you know, the, the importance of diversification is if you put too many eggs in one or two baskets and those companies fall, you know, you're toast. Company risk, sector risk, market risk. Believe yeah. me, I learned that after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I share that story because one thing I learned from all of that is I don't have enough time to learn and you can't headline read stocks. Yes. Right. Which is what I was doing. I was headline reading. I was having an interesting idea i.e. utilities, because I'm having brownouts in California. It was an interesting idea, right? It made sense, yeah. but I couldn't dive into Enron, the company. And then communications. Okay, boring. Like I should have got AT&T, like the, the, whatever. So I get it. So that was my outcome for stocks is I can't, I, I don't have time. So what yeah. got me on real estate first was cash flow, like you did. But here's the one that I really, once I was in it for a while, this is the one that you didn't mention, is I saw a way that if I learned the market well, I could create or find values that other people miss, right? Yeah. Real estate's inefficient. Stocks, very efficient. Real yeah. estate is inefficient. You can find a unique situation with a seller, a unique situation with a property, right? There was ways to create value and that is what got me excited and that's what made me stay in real estate. And I, to this day, I think I've bought, I think I, I put money in the stock market once during the crash when everything was 50% off, but I was out of it when they doubled. Um, yeah. But other than that, it's real estate, real estate, real estate. Yeah, because, and, and that's the thing. And even when you're an advisor, you're, you don't have time to deep dive into all the deep financials of every single company that you're recommending to your clients. You just don't. So, you know, you go based on quarterly reports and annual reports and profit and yeah. PE ratios, and you hope that you, know enough about the inside workings. But the reality is, is very few actually know the real risks behind, you know, every company that aren't shown because you don't know what's going on in the day to day and those kind of decisions that are risky that could cause a company to tank. Um, yeah. And I learned that very, very well, where when you are in real estate, not only do you not have to learn what everybody else is doing, you learn how to value properties, 
you learn how to take down properties, find more money to get into those properties, and then you're in control of that property. So if you, you have to learn to trust yourself, you have to develop your knowledge, but then you repeat over and over the things that you become an expert at. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry that your money is at the hands of people that you don't know and companies that you don't know. And are you going to lose it tomorrow? Because yeah. if you're in control and you're operating your buildings fairly well, mm-hmm. you know when you're teetering, you know when you're in trouble, you know when you need to sell and you sell and you get out before things get really bad, right? Yeah, and that's that's another key. That's why I'll never leave real estate. Because again, the only person I blame now is me, right? Yes. Enron was a fraud. WorldCom was a fraud, but they were fraud for years. In, in WorldCom's case, decades. Right. And, right. and oh, by the way, they had audited financials and all that other nonsense yeah. from criminal so be- Bernie uh, Madoff. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Bernie Madoff. And yeah. so, yeah, having the control is so important. And, and again, it doesn't mean that real estate is without risk. No, I mean, of course you not. have, you know, downturns in real estate and you have a pandemic that can, <laughs> you know, hurt you and hurt your ability to collect, but they're so far, um, they're so few and far between in the timing that those things happen, that it gives you time to kind of build up resilience and reserves and stress test your own portfolio to try to be prepared for those kind of things. So yeah, the yeah. losses are not as bad and the wins truly are actually greater. Oh, they the wind leverage, be, leverage. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Leverage I'll, returns. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> so amazing. while you may not have something that quickly skyrockets, cause there's a, a, a week of, you know, great consumer sentiment, you can force appreciation. You can buy low, you can sell <laughs> high, you can collect rent in the meantime. And if things go bad, you just keep collecting rent until you can sell for top dollar. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and Let's someone's just... paying off your mortgage. Exactly. So, yeah. And there's yeah. tax benefits. So, uh, you know, there's so many things that we can go into. But, but I, you know, grew up in having nothing, no financial yeah. literacy. I learned financial literacy and how to make money when you already have money in retail investments. And then I learned real estate. And I can tell you, working with the wealthiest clients in the world uh, between Bank of America and AIG. There is no greater wealth producer, wealth continuer, and wealth preserver in the United States besides real estate. There just isn't. Well, with that, we will end the show because I could not imagine a better way to end. Thank you very much. That was awesome. Thank you. Have a Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas.